0: Good morning again. Thank you, Sean, for the announcement and encouragement. Uh, we do look forward to Christmas Eve and Christmas morning uh, to be able to make much of Jesus together and uh, certainly look forward in anticipation for the Youth Winter Retreat, the Deep Freeze uh, in February. If you have a Bible, go ahead and open up your Bible to Psalm 34. Words will be on the screen, uh, but if you have one uh, with you, I'd encourage you to, to look. We're going to read just as, uh, verses 11 through 14. We'll touch on some other parts of Psalm 34, so you probably want to keep your Bible there if you're uh, if you have one with you. Um, but we're going to read verses 11 through 14. Our Advent series this year is on peace, and as we've considered uh, already, uh, the Lord gives peace and the Lord keeps us in peace. And now we're going to see the experience of peace shows up in how we then live at peace with others, and so. Let's uh, consider that together today. Uh, Psalm thirty-four, eleven through 14. Come, O children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is there who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Let's pray. God, as we consider the impact of your goodness and grace in our lives, we, we see that it propels us into a, a response of praise and of worship. Um, it also brings about transformation in our lives. And I pray that you would do just that in us this day. Uh, you would help us to see our need for you, how you meet that need, and how you bring something new in the way we live. So help us, we ask. Be with us as we come to your word, and uh, we ask all this for your glory and our good. Amen. I love the Scrooge storyline of A Christmas Carol. He experienced a radically gracious night of no sleep, only to wake up a changed man. There have been some wonderful adaptations of Dickens' classic with some great Scrooges, George C. Scott. Michael Caine, Patrick Stewart, Albert Finney, Bill Murray even. But Michael Caine might be my favorite. His Ebenezer Scrooge in the Muppets Christmas Carol. Especially when he finally breaks. Following his moment of salvation, Scrooge begins to live in light of his newfound life. When we experience the grace and goodness of God It changes us. It changes us. It changes how we look at life. It changes how we live it out. It changes us. Psalm 34 is the rejoicing over and outworking of the goodness and grace of God experienced in the life of the psalmist. Changed him. And he's calling his brothers and sisters in the faith to come and join in that joy and change. This morning, I want us to think about that together in light of our Advent series on peace. We've certainly been focused on God who has the peace to give and goes about giving that peace and keeping that peace. But when we experience that peace, it changes the way that we go about living at peace with each other. Seems fitting to think about that in light of a day and age in which everything seems rather worked up and anxious and angry. Eager to voice our thoughts about anything and everything in very contentious ways. So peace seems far, doesn't it? Well, I want us to live in light of the peace that we have received. And so how do we go about seeking that kind of peace? How do we go about pursuing that kind of peace? Well, Psalm 34 is good instructions for our hearts, good instruction for our lives. The first is this, in order to seek this kind of peace and pursue it, we need to have God-centered priorities in our lives. Now, we need God-centered priorities, and then from those God-centered priorities, we go about a grace-enriched practice. I'll make sense of that, hopefully, here in a few moments. And in that grace-enriched practice and way of life, we can go forward with gospel-shaped pursuit for peace in our lives together. Let's walk through that together this morning. God-centered priorities, the kind that taste and see that the Lord is good. We first consider from Psalm 34, this God, these God-centered priorities showing up in our lives first as, as in prayer, the, the experience of God's goodness. We want these priorities in our lives, and so we find that in Psalm 34, we find it to be very prayer-filled and very praise-filled. And first, with prayer, we see that Psalm 34 could be sort of captured in one verse, and that's verse 8, maybe a verse that's familiar with you. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in Him. Taste and see is our trusting that That God is with us, and it is the trusting God with your life. It's taking God at His word, and it's talking to God in prayer and through prayer. We see the importance of this in the verses leading up to verse 8. In verses 4 through 7, we find these words. I sought the Lord, and He answered me, and delivered me from all my fears, Those who look to him are radiant, and their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. In light of that experience, through prayer, the psalmist goes on to say, Taste and see that the Lord is good. He's calling us to join in these God-centered priorities. They're necessary for our lives to be ones that seek peace and pursue it. But notice what the place of prayer does, or actually look at the actions of what's going on in those verses 4 through 7. On our side of prayer, what are we doing? Well, we sought, we look to, cry out, we fear, or that is, revere God. And what is God's side of prayer? What is God doing? Well, He answers, He delivers, He shines upon. That is, who look to God are radiant because He's looking to them. He's shining upon them. He hears, He saves, He encamps. This is all going on in the dynamic of prayer. Sometimes we don't see necessarily immediately how He does these things, but God is doing them nonetheless. And if we want to have a heart and a life that seeks peace and pursues it, we must have the God-centered priorities. We must have these experiences in our lives. Our pathway of seeking peace and pursuing it starts with prayer. And the thing about prayer is that it tenderizes our hearts. It tenderizes our hearts. When our hearts are tough and hard, we're not interested in any sort of peaceful resolution that we might have Uh, In terms of a need with other people in our lives. I mean, it's the holidays. And so you're getting together with family. And maybe some of those are strained relationships. A tough, well-done heart. Overly cooked. Not tenderized. Is not interested in any seeking peace and pursuing it. It's more like avoiding that person altogether. or, Or fighting that person. Our pathway to seeking peace and pursuing it starts with the tenderizing grace of prayer. And as we experience the goodness and the grace of God in our lives, it leads us, our our prayer moves into praise, which is such a full um, measure, in full measure here in Psalm 34. Praise is the exaltation of God's goodness. Prayer is the experience of it, and then praise is the exaltation of it. In the first 10 verses of Psalm 34, David is recounting God's goodness in rescuing his life with the call to others to get in on it with him. Come get in on this praise with me. Look at verses 1 through 3. They kick off the psalm. It says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad and then he brings us into it. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. These verses kick the psalm off in like mid praise. Like he's already in the praising mode. And then he goes on to explain why, but he's, he starts there and he calls others to join on the, in, in that praise with him. This perspective on life and even in the face of great conflict and difficulties, especially the kinds that David was facing this perspective is settled and centered on God and his goodness to his people. Before looking at all of the strained, maybe difficult relationships that we have in this life, David is looking at God and just saying, God, you are just so good. You're so gracious. You're amazing. You're, you're worth magnifying. He's, he's not running to God with all of the problem people in his life. He's just saying, God, you're amazing. And he's calling others to do the same with him. I think that's instructive for our hearts. I think peace may be elusive because we don't just bask in God's godness and see His glory and goodness. He takes a above-the-context, above-the-circumstances approach to them. He starts with God. He's rehearsing who God is and what God does. And in so doing rehearsing who God is and what God does it trains our hearts to rise up in praise rather than sink down in complaint or frustration at the basic at the very base of any seeking peace and pursuing it starts these god-centered priorities in prayer, in the experience of God's goodness, and in praise, and the exaltation of God's goodness, it trains and tenderizes our hearts to be in a place that then we can go about seeking peace and pursuing it. And that's where we find is when we start putting it into practice, it should follow along with that which we have experienced. And that leads us to the second point, and that is grace-enriched practice. We are called to seek peace. And that idea of seeking, is like, it's like to aim at or to practice. And so, in a sense, it's practice makes perfect. You know that expression. It's, it's really just to drive home, keep doing this, and you will become more familiar with doing this. And the idea of seeking peace is to keep doing this, to aim at it. To practice it in your life, it implies an intentional focus after something. We find this word throughout the Old Testament. Sometimes it's used in a negative connotation. For example, Exodus 2.15. When Pharaoh heard of it, he sought to kill Moses. I mean, think about the, the, the imagery around that verse. He, he, he was intently focused. On, on, on killing Moses. There's an intensity. There's a determination with the idea of seeking peace. Positively, we find it like in Deuteronomy 4.29. But from there, you will seek the Lord, your God, and you will find him. You will search after him with all your heart and with all your soul. So this idea of seeking is it's pretty, it's pretty intense. It's, it's wholehearted. It's, it's fullhearted even. And without God-centered priorities that are tenderizing that heart and training that heart, it won't be fullhearted seeking of peace. We need the God-centered priorities in order to bring about a grace-enriched practice of the heart. And in Psalm 34, in light of the goodness of God received, David is now calling God's people to live out their lives in light of what they have received. And that's what we find with the rest of Psalm 34. It really breaks into two parts. 1 through 10 is part 1. And then in part 2, verses 11 through 22, it's David really pressing in and helping the people of God come to grips with what they've received and living in light of it. He calls God's people to live in light of God's goodness to them. Again, let's look back where we started at verses 11 and 12. He says, come, O children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is there who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? I mean, this reads like a proverb, doesn't it? If you're familiar with the Proverbs, there are many times where a a chapter or a section in the Proverbs starts in a very similar way. And he's basically saying, do you want the good life? Listen up. If you want the good life, here it is. Here is the pathway to the good life. Follow after these things. And that brings us to our verse of those things that David says. He says again in verse 14. Turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Now we've been defining peace along the way in our series as the enjoyment of complete and permanent well-being. That the Bible uses that word peace in a very big, profound way. It is the enjoyment of complete and permanent well-being. And in our first two weeks, we're very much focused on, on the work that God was doing, bringing about that peace. But here, this week, we're focusing it on rather, not so much the relationship with God kind of peace, but the outworking of that in our lives, in our relationships in this world, and our responsibility to them. In light of the peace experienced from God, practice the seeking of peace with others. Well, what is the peace that we've experienced with God? Well, it's the grace-enriched kind. We didn't merit, earn, or gain the peace we received from God. It was brought to us. It was brought into our lives because of God's grace. God's gracious initiative To us and in us is what brought forth the peace that we have with him. And therefore, the nature of our seeking peace with others is to be aligned to the nature of the peace that God sought with us. That it would follow along the pattern of what we have experienced. God graciously initiated all of it. God sought our peace by means of grace. Therefore, our seeking, our intent seeking of peace with others is to follow along that same pattern and shape of grace. In the New Testament, they bring in these words, Psalm 34, verse 14, we find them in times in which the people of God were facing incredibly tough circumstances. They were being marginalized. They were being mocked. They were being maligned. And yet they were still called to seek peace with each other and with those outside of their context. Even when those contexts were incredibly difficult. 1 Peter 3, 8 through 11 is such a place. Listen to these words. Thinking through the gospel-centered priorities, and the grace-enriched practice that they are being called to. Finally, all of you, have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For to this you were called, that you may obtain a blessing. For whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. Here we see the marriage of, of these gospels and priorities and this grace-enriched practice applied into the life of New Testament believers. Facing all kinds of pressures and challenges. Difficulties in their culture around them. Difficulties in the church within them. And at the very heart here. Is the living light of all that you have received. To not deal with conflict and intention by the way that the world would do it. I mean we see that played out all the time right now. It's really sad. Sad, sad shape of state of affairs when you look at various mediums, whether social or TV or or whatnot. And what's doubly sad is to see those following after Christ, following after those patterns. Here we have something else to follow, something else to enrich our lives. And that is to have our hearts tenderized by the gospel, So have our hearts tenderized by God's grace so that out of that we find that grace or God-centered priorities lead to grace-enriched habits and practices in life. That it would be intentional for us. Those God-centered priorities and that grace-enriched practice give way to then gospel-shaped pursuit where we are to pursue peace that we are to chase it down. So Psalm 34:14 says that we are to seek peace and pursue it. it. Feels a little redundant, but it's actually intensifying it even more. The word for pursue here means to literally to chase down and to catch or kill. That's what it literally means. In fact, you find 11 uses of this word in the Old Testament. And all of them, but this one, are used in context where someone is chasing down someone else to, to capture them or kill them. So think of the intensity of that word. And, and it's being employed here in a positive way. That we should see the conflict in our lives as as needing to be dealt with in ways that are God-centered and grace-enriched, but also chased down that we would pursue them. The imagery of urgency and of purpose and of passion come in this word, pursue. We're to take it seriously and passionately. We're to take the well-being of others seriously and passionately. As I said, peace, biblically defined, is the enjoyment of complete and permanent well-being. And what if we looked at each other as, as people that we care enough about to chase down so as to encourage and build up and strengthen them toward better well-being? Rather than people who, who take from us or, or people that we might take from, rather see people as, as others who are in need of grace enrichment in their lives. And that we, because of what we've experienced from God, would be willing to do the same in some measure in their lives. Romans 14:19 says, "So then let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. What if we chased it down together, the kind of well-being? where we enjoy all that God is and all that God has done in such a way that it stabilizes our faith and tenderizes our hearts and encourages us to live for Him in light of all sorts of difficulties that we face. Physical, emotional, mental, relationships, all of them. Financial, vocational, all of them. What if we then chase that down together, our well-being, because of the fact that God has indeed chased us down. That's why it's called gospel-centered pursuit, because in the gospel, we see God chasing down our well-being. That's a gospel-shaped pursuit, because we see the urgency and the purpose and the passion of God to chase us down. I mean, he came all the way down. He came all the way. All the way, we celebrate that in this Advent, don't we? We celebrate how God came all the way down in John 1.14. We see the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen His glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. He didn't come halfway. He came all the way. All the way down. And what did He come down to do? Well, we know in Matthew 1.21, when He's given His name, His name comes with His purpose. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. God pursued; uh, he chased it down all the way down. But, but more so, he also was tackling not only our sins, but but just evil and everything that's broken in this world. In First John three eight. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Someday, that's going to be the theme of an Advent series. And we're just going to talk about Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. Tell me he didn't come with urgency and purpose and passion to chase down our well-being. This is what we have received. This is what we celebrate in our Advent. What if we looked at each other and we thought, oh... The pursuit of each other's well-being is just in line with God's pursuit of mine. And the pursuit of uh, each other's well-being is to be informed and shaped after God's pursuit of ours. Another way to put it, sort of riffing off of a well-known verse. We pursue because God first pursued us. as we celebrate Advent, let's do so with God-centered priorities that tenderize our hearts. And with those tender hearts, let's take aim with passionate urgency, the well-being of each other. After Scrooge's heart was tenderized, the practice of his life immediately after was the pursuit of the well-being of others. Let's not be Scrooge prior to the heart change. Let's not be the Ba humbugs. Let's pursue the well being of each other. There's really no room for Ba humbug in our hearts. Not hearts that are centered on God, enriched with grace, and eager to pursue each other by means of the gospel. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. We pray that it would find a home in our hearts. And that for those of us who may feel the, the challenge of, of this before us, God, I pray that you would give grace and strength. And for some of us in here, and maybe with, and this is with other people in this room, there might be tension and conflict that we need to care for so that each other's well-being would be enriched and strengthened. And would you lead us to see that you have done this to us and in us and for us in our relationship with you, and help us to see how it will inform our relationship with each other and with others in our lives? God, may we experience in this Advent season not only the, the joy of you with us, but you also equipping us to live in light of all that we have received. Help us in this, we pray, to your glory and our good. In Christ's name, amen.